0: i'm a member of a red sox nation it's a kind of a family wherever i roam up and way home that's where i long to be i'm a member of a red sox nation it's a kind of insanity yeah i live and die with red sox pride for eternity i make a smile
1: Good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball as well as MLB wide hot stove for everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope. The podcast could be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, and wherever you can find it on Google. If you want to help out the Benny and the Bats podcast for everyone who listens on iTunes, if you could give us a five star review, uh, excuse me, a five star rating, and then write out a review, that helps immensely when it comes to visibility. And such on iTunes so literally besides retweeting nothing else uh, you do could help us out more and we would certainly appreciate that joining me uh, tonight as always uh, Jeremy Schilling Jeremy how are you I'm good Terrence and yourself not too bad Kind of getting uh, some uh, wheels spinning finally here in, uh, you know, the hot stove season. Steve Pierce, surprisingly, will be returning to the Red Sox on only a one-year deal, making the same exact money he made the last two seasons, which is $6.25 million were you surprised at the way that all unfolded especially where his value did not seem to increase given his epic world series performance
2: yes because i've already come out and said that i expected him to try to use what he did in october to cash in on one more deal and he didn't do that um I was reading uh, some quotes, and he was saying, you know, buzzwords like "no brainer" and it was the only decision to make. Uh, wrong. Uh, if it was me, I would have signed a multi-year deal worth as many dollar bills as I could possibly get. Being that you just don't know at thirty-five um, what his body's going to tell him on a season-to-season basis. This could be his last season, and if he hits two twenty and gets DFA'd in, in August. Because he's, you know, he's slugging six fifty. Um, it'll be a significant—I don't want to say mistake, but lost opportunity to cash in one more time. Now, with that said, he's made a lot of money. Um, he's still making six point two five million, so uh, that's still an insane amount of money. So, don't get me wrong, but. I love the move. I am surprised by it. I love it. Um, Steve Pierce, to me, is going to go down as you know one of my favorite short-term Red Sox as a result because it seems to me to be a pretty selfless move. Um, I wrote a, a blog about it on your website this week. Um, and, and the key to me is I love it as a Red Sox fan just because it's the complimentary players that fill out a roster that make the difference between... Being a star-studded team that flames out versus a star-studded team with the right complementary players that can go win a championship. Steve Pierce is like the the prime right-in-your-face example of that because he just did it. So I am surprised. I predicted that he would not. Uh, When we talked about him two or three podcasts ago, I predicted that he would not come back. Uh, He'd sign a multi-year deal. The Red Sox wouldn't give it to him. I was wrong on both bases. He wanted to come back. Uh, I was right that the Red Sox wouldn't extend him for multiple years, but that seemingly didn't matter to him. And now we have the complement at first base. So we have Moreland against righties, Pierce against lefties, both plus defenders. I love it. I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, you know, and getting back to his value, I just figured somebody would give him a second year. There would be enough suitors to come along that he he would just take the second year for, you know, whatever it ended up being. And I figured he could get as much as maybe 10 million. I was expecting a definite bump, you know, given his World Series performance, but we haven't really found out what his market really was. It was a quick signing. And this seems to definitely be a ball club that people want to be a part of. You know, it's a, it's a special group. And so maybe, maybe he was willing to just take a little bit less to come here or just go on a year-to-year basis. The other thing that was kind of in the back of my mind was I just didn't know if we really had a fit for him because we do have a couple of prospects that are just about major league ready that have both played the corners you know coming up through the minors that being Michael Chavis and Bobby Dahlbeck so I mean where it's a one-year deal you know like you were alluding to he could be traded DFA'd whatever but also Mitch Moreland could end up being the odd man out as well and with Moreland specifically you definitely see some drop-offs when it comes to offense I think he was like he was below 200 I think it was 177 was his batting average from August 1st through the end of the season and Pierce you don't really see that type of a drop-off he's Consistently an upper 200s hitter in the batting average department. One stat just kind of jumped out at me right now as I have his uh, baseball reference page up. When he came to the Red Sox last year after the trade, he had a 394 on base percentage. That's phenomenal. And I think you've covered his OPS in the past. That's obviously a key stat. 901, you know, that's probably one of the higher ones. On the team, you know, underneath obviously JD Martinez, Mookie Betts. So, uh, whenever you're, you know, above 900, that's uh, you're, you're obviously uh, a pretty strong power hitter. So, I like the signing. I, I just, I'm just shocked that he's coming back on the same exact money he was last year. So, tons of uh, stability. At first base for now, anyway.
2: Terry, before you move on, um, I just totally disagree with like the desire to put prospects into the major league baseball. You have two proven guys here um, that obviously complemented each other so well. Moreland kind of flamed out down the stretch, but he had a really productive postseason, even injured his his you know he had four pinch hit at bats i think he was like two for two with two walks just really contributed really complimented each other again both both plus defenders both plus clubhouse guys i just don't have that same desire like i you know yeah i'm going to use an example you won't like but the year brady got hurt and everyone was clamoring for matt castle and he had a decent year and everyone's like let's stay with matt castle and back in the day it was um, Scott Zolak to Drew Brees and it's i call it the backup quarterback syndrome where fans get bored watching the same guys and they want to they want to have what's next and it's you know i'm i'm just throwing analogies out today apparently but it, the grass is not always greener and these are two compl, like complementary pieces one guy crushes left-handed pitching one guy is a, a, certainly an above-average uh, hitter against right-handed pitching. Made an All-Star game last year. I'm just not in a rush. I don't think either guy will get moved. I think this is the first-base situation. Assuming they stay healthy, that we're going to have next year. And I think it's the perfect complement to the star-studded outfield. Uh, Bogarts at, at you know at, at short. I think you're going to see Nunez evolve. There's just no real questions. And they and they went ahead and solidified one of them. Um, you know, so to me, I just have no desire for the for the for the young guys um, when proven veterans and complementary known complementary players filling out a roster are, are what gives you the best. Uh, you know, the, the team's best chance to win again.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think the ceiling is for Chavis and Dahlbeck? I don't know. I don't know.
2: I don't. I, and look, I, I one of the things that hurts me, and I'm just being honest with with our listeners, you and myself here. I'm a fan of all four sports, uh, North American sports leagues. So I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know the AA, AHL in hockey. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I know who the prospects are in, in Major League Baseball generally and certainly in the Red Sox system. But I, other than the spring down here where I get to go see some of these guys. I just I'm not I, I can't pretend to be a real stu- study of the minor league system so i I'm not gonna be able to help you there
1: well let's just put it this way these guys are gonna have to earn it I'm not I'm not anointing them whenever they're deemed to be ready if they're absolutely fucking crushing it down in Pawtucket adios mitch Moreland I, I don't really give a fuck perfect example will Middlebrooks. Did you did you ever think that in 2012 Kevin Euclid was going to get peddled halfway through the month of May? And, and he was pretty good in 2011 before he uh, had that thumb injury. So I mean, it's going to be an example like that where these guys are going to come up, and if they can rake on a day to day basis, then that that's they're going to win. They're going to win the spot in the lineup, and I mean that's just. That's just the way the sport works, and if if Steve Pierce and Mitch Moreland were those guys every day, they wouldn't be platoon players like they are. So, you know, and not to uh, mention these guys are cheaper. So I, I like to call them complementary
2: players because together they 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 provide a, just a perfect situation at first base to me. Um, it's already worked once, um, and. Not only would these guys have to mash in AAA, I think you'd have to see Pierce um, and Moreland, either both or or one specifically would have to be you know significantly under career averages. The um, again because you 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 know if they if if Pierce is a nine nine hundred OPS against left handed pitching again next year, I just don't see them feel, feeling a the need to press that. And to move on from him, and one of the reasons is because another year in the minor leagues keeps those guys available to the system for another year on the other end. And I know that, you know, that's some people don't like that mindset because I am a, um, I am a, you know, the best players play guy. You know, I don't, I don't, you, you know, in, in sports generally, but certainly in, in professional sports. You, you know, you only go so far as your current track record. And if your track record dips and there's a guy heading in the other direction, then he gets to play and he helps the team. And I get that. I just think there'd have to be, a, and I, and I'm not saying I'm going to be right. So don't get me wrong. Um, but I just think that Pearson Moreland with that situation have already shown to work. Um, and I, and I don't know what's you know going to happen with them. These guys in the major league level, I understand they've been impressive down in the minors. Um, But, you know, Devers comes up and and he's major league ready offensively. But then defensively, he's not a major league third baseman. So, you know, it just, again, you just, it's a less of a known commodity where with the current situation, both guys under contract. And by the way, it's perfect. It sets up perfect because they each expire after this year. And then if you have the desire to go that route next year, you're free and clear. And then you're just like you said, it's cheap money. It's rookie dollars. It's. Two or three years and then two or three years of arbitration and you're set up for the next six years at first base. So I just think right now and, and credit to Dombrowski for and I don't think he actually I don't know how much credit I want to give Dombrowski, but because it seems like Pierce was just ready to sign here. But it really if, if if what you're saying about these prospects is accurate, and I have no reason to doubt it it just has set up perfectly where they have bought themselves one year of proven major league complimentary talent, and then they can go that direction. And and hopefully by that time, Devers has solidified himself on the other side of the infield. You're not dealing with a whole bunch of youth anymore. So I like it. I think they're in a great spot. They're in a great spot for 2019. And I think um, they're in a great spot moving forward to fill that need once these uh, established veterans move on or retire.
1: Yeah. And just uh, before we wrap on, on, Pierce, um, 32 home runs last season for Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, and one was high A, albeit in uh, six when he got up to Portland. So he's double A. He's not going to be ready no matter what before the All-Star break, I'll say. Um, Michael Chavis hit 31 home runs 2017, did fail for – PEDs and the moment he invoked uh, God in there and said that he would rely on him and whatever I immediately uh, thought he was guilty right away and I I think it was a legit fail but on paper face value I mean he's shown power at every level and I think he was hitting over 400 last year a year ago in the Arizona Fall League as well so uh someone to someone to definitely keep an eye on. And and like I said, they're gonna have to absolutely be destroying it. I'm not I'm not saying I don't want Steve Pierce and Mitch Moreland to play the full year, but if um you know, if the performance down on the farm justifies it, I'm I'm not gonna uh I'm not gonna complain or, or criticize Donbrowski for for uh you know, going with one of his big prospects. But um, all right, the other thing of note, James Paxton to the Yankees. If I were a Yankees fan, I would have mixed feelings about it, but he is a definite, when healthy, top-of-the-rotation guy. So, you know, it'll it's an, an interesting dynamic for the, um, you know, 2019 division race yeah um they are so they were so starved for pitching
2: they had to do something i can't believe they gave up their number one prospect for this guy um but you know that's what they decided to do they decided to do so i you know it is what it is um it's the sort of like sound prospects for for proven talent move that kind of makes me nervous i was really hoping they would overspend on free agents and, and for lack of a better term, screw themselves fiscally for the next few years. I still think they're going to do that. I still think they're going to sign Machado or Harper, or they're going to do something that is an overreaction to the Red Sox winning a World Series because they're starting to develop the little the little brother syndrome over there. Um, which, by the way, if there's a Yankees fan listening, his skin probably just crawled, but it's true. You guys have the little brother syndrome. Yeah. Um, it, it, it drives them absolutely nuts that that the Red Sox won, that they're not the big brother the big bully anymore. And it's flipped to the point where now everything we do is generates like a counter-response from them. So it's just like we, we're living rent-free in their head, and I absolutely love it. So, um, James Paxton, good pitcher, not elite, not the type of guy that I would warrant your number one prospect for. Um, it still only leaves the Yankees with – Probably Severino starting opening day, Tanaka Paxton and CC. They they legitimately don't even have a fifth starter unless, I mean they've already said they're going to move on for Sunny Gray. And I, if you're Sunny Gray, you can't come back and pitch with Cashman having said that. So, they literally don't have a fifth starter. Um, their bullpen's legit. Obviously, they have a great lineup, but their their starting pitching is just an absolute dumpster fire. This is a step in the right direction. It doesn't change the fact that. You know they have no depth, and the Red Sox have depth. They you know they have Erod, they have you know hopefully um, Wright's coming back. You know they 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 can they can run out in a month six or seven different starters and not and, and then be major league guys. They they you know they're not just going to be throwing some triple guy out there just to get killed. The Yankees, um, you know, you never run through a league, uh, a season completely healthy, and so if you know they, I just there's another move that has to happen. They got to spend more dollars or more assets or whatever, um, because they legitimately have four major league ready uh, pitchers, and that's it. So it's a step in the right direction. Doesn't scare me yet. What's coming next may scare me though, because you know they're going to spend.
1: Well, Paxton, uh, as we were saying before we came on, he's had six trips to the DL. I have his game started. In 2014, only started uh, 13 games. 13 in 2015. Then it steadily does rise. 20 in 2016, 24 in 2017, and then just 28 last year. I think he missed all of September, if I'm not mistaken. I forget the injury, but um, definitely a guy who, you know, has struggled with durability in the past. So, tough to really tell, but, I mean, he's never posted an ERA north of four in any year as a professional. A lot of them were in the upper threes, but still pretty solid numbers there. His... Uh, Strikeout through nine has uh, steadily risen just the last three years. It was 8.7 in 2016, 10.3 in uh, to, uh, 2017, 11.7 last year. So he's definitely striking out uh, more guys uh, per game. So not bad numbers overall. And then the, the other thing that really jumped out at me is he's only making, last year he made. Uh, 4.9 million and so that's probably going to jump at least probably two or three million this year in uh, Arbitration, but I think the affordability and uh, the fact that he does one healthy post pretty decent numbers ended up uh, Justifying the risk for him one thing though that you may not be aware of Um, Robertson and Britton. We're going to get to Britton specifically later on, but both of them are free agents, so I'm not really sure what their bullpen really looks like. I mean, Chapman obviously will will close out the game. They do have Batances, I guess, and uh, I don't know. Who else is left? Tommy Canely, but he was bouncing back and forth between the big club and the minors, so they're going to have to spend uh, decent money on, on one reliever at least. So, I, I don't know if that's going to be the
2: big scary. They're, they're going to re-sign one of those two relievers. Um, the thing with Paxton, to me, is he still has two arbitration years left. So, um and obviously, his 2019 number actually hasn't been determined yet. So he, they have him on his arbitration three-year. Generally, pitchers, um, you know, he's going to see it. I think probably an increase. If I had to guess, like six point five or seven million for 2019. It's still really cheap money for the Yankees um, for for an established guy, subject to the injuries you've talked about. So I don't think. I think the reason why they made this move and they were willing to sell such a high asset in uh, Justice uh, Sheffield is they have this guy for two full seasons at what will probably be amount to like a two-year, ten to twelve million dollar deal. So it doesn't have any effect on what they're going to do otherwise, and I think that's what it, you know. And then it makes sense. Um, I think Seattle probably saw the writing on the wall. They had no interest in either re-signing him, or they've tried to buy out his arbitration years and buy into his free agent years, and he just wasn't having it. So there's some factor there that led to, you know, led to the trade. Um, so it is what it is. It makes him better. I, I just I'm I'm more worried about what's coming next because um, they're still really deficient uh, deficient in the starting rotation. You mentioned the bullpen. Um, they've got power arms out there. I think. I always space it on this kid's name, but they still have. I think it's Green. Um, they still have a, 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 some really significant arms out there. If they lose one of those two relievers you mentioned, it's not going to put them so far back where they they still aren't going to have a, a, a you know a pretty productive bullpen. So, uh, um, you know, uh, I, 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 and. and look it's a decent deal it doesn't get them better they're not better than us still so i still look at the uh, as us as the favorite again i like pierce coming back to solidify first base so uh, you know the red Sox are still at least on paper uh the the more complete better ball club so it is what it is which kind of brings us into our next topic which is nathan avaldi um you specifically thought that maybe Paxton in a text message to me earlier today that Paxton would be a a potential upgrade to Ivaldi. you didn't say much other than that but what I took from that is maybe you would have preferred the uh, the Red Sox make a move for Paxton so why don't you bat lead off on Evaldi
1: yeah I mean I that that's not really what I was was getting at but um but Basically, I'm just not an Avaldi guy. Like everybody everybody else is getting wasted on the spiked punch that is Nathan Avaldi right now. And the thing for me is he he looked awesome in October. There's no denying that. He was absolutely electric. But when it comes down to it, two of the three teams he beat were high strikeout teams all home run all or nothing type teams and one of which he has a track record of dominating nobody was shocked when he went in there and completely shut down the yankees rick porcello does the same thing with them and his stuff is different you know he's not the power guy that avoldi is it's just they're an easy team to get out and the dodgers very much the same, and. And of all these one start against the Astros, that's a very good hitting team, and they can hurt you in a bunch of ways. And to his credit, he did have a good start. He labored through the first couple of innings. I think his pitch count was close to 50 by the end of the second inning. But he settled down, got the win. That's great. But at the end of the day, he's a 416 ERA guy. He's not a high strikeout guy. He only averages five or six strikeouts a game during the regular season. And I'm just not interested in him in a long-term deal. If it was the, the two year deal I kind of assumed it would be you know, before we you know before the World Series was over, I'd be all for that. and I wouldn't even care what the annual value is on that. I was thinking it would probably be two years 30 million, so 15 million per year. If it, if it was two years 40 million, fine, I would do it. Uh, tw- two years 50 million that'd be 25 per season i would definitely do it but i don't want it that that contract is just too risky long term and there's other proven guys out there that that can pitch that have pitched you know year in and year out and and at a very high level so i would rather just stay away from him he is 29 that looks great um, but we're not getting the guy you saw in October. We're we're going to be getting. We're probably going to get someone in the middle of what you saw in October, and then the guy who couldn't pitch his way out of the fifth inning to save his life in the month of August. So there's probably a middle ground in there. And but I'm just not interested in him beyond a couple of years. And uh, go ahead. Well, I'll get into more of what what the market is is suggesting. But what are your initial thoughts on Ovaldi?
2: In the second podcast after we won the World Series, one of the one of the topics was the effect on the run on guys we wanted to resign. Pierce was in that argument. I specifically said I don't think Pierce will be a Red Sox because somebody's going to spend two years on him and that didn't happen obviously he had other factors in mind he wanted to be here clearly um he was willing to waive an extra year of guaranteed money to be here so uh, we were wrong on him fine avaldi was also a big part of that discussion and just like you're saying um What's the value? Like, don't get punch drunk over his postseason because what you're typically paying for in these contracts is the regular season production. It's just no guarantee, one, that you're going to be in the postseason, and two, if you get there, it's, it, performance can be so wonky. So there's been very few consistent playoff performers in the history of Major League Baseball. The contracts are not built, are not intended to be built on playoff performances. The, the season's too long. You have to be what you are every year to, to warrant your deal. Avaldi is not an ace like he's being looked at by probably the average or below average fan. Um, he's a – he, and I've said this term a lot. He's a elite strike thrower. It's shocking that with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, he doesn't have higher strikeout totals. And he's got significant health issues. And, I, I mean, I've listened uh, to a couple podcasts or a couple segments I've gone back and just kind of listened to him briefly to so I'm I'm, I'm trying to be consistent with what I'm saying. He's gonna and I was wrong on Pierce, so I reserve my right to be wrong on Evaldi, uh, if that makes any sense. But he's had two Tommy John surgeries, one of them, albeit it was in high school, and another one when when he was coming up. He he'd be foolish not to cash in on what he just did. And by the way, I wouldn't blame him because he sacrificed that extra inning performance. He sacrificed, and he put his career and his his ability to earn playing this game at risk. So all props in the world, and I hope he gets an eight year deal from the Yankees for like 160 million because that would just screw them up forever. But <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't. I haven't heard any rumblings about his desire to like quote unquote stay in Boston or take a discount or anything like that so i'm not exactly sure what's going to happen there um i just i don't i think with where he's at pierce is at the end of the yellow brick road avaldi is going into his prime years he just he he just completely took the top off his value with the playoff performance i just don't see that he'll be back i hope he'll be back I, i think i like him better than you like him terry I like him at two years. This is exactly this is consistent with what I've said uh, in the last three or four weeks. I like him at two years. I would overpay, like you had mentioned, at uh, on his AAV, um, and you know I'd get crazy. I, I don't know that I'd hate a two-year thirty-six million dollar deal. Um, it gives you just a ton of flexibility with the rotation. Uh, you know you're going to have six or seven guys under contract that can pitch, and that and that's I mean. Like it or not, that's necessary in a 162 season, especially with Chris Sale's um, durability issues. And another factor is that historically the teams that go deep in the playoffs the next year start slow with their pitching. You know, they're they're still throwing the ball into almost November. They don't have the same amount of rest, and then they got to pick it back up in February, heat up and get ready for the regular season. Those added innings do have an effect. So I would like to have – The depth in our rotation like for example the Yankees don't look like they're going to have because that can still be a strength on this team versus again your your biggest competitor so uh those are my comments that way I'll go back to you for what you see the value as
1: well that's the troubling thing because I did expect the Red Sox would have a you know a, a pretty Solid chance. And I would have said that they were probably the favorites to re-sign him. And he has said he wants to come back. He definitely wants to come back. But, um, n- like you said, no mention of uh, taking a discount or whatever. And and the Pierce comparison is excellent because, yeah, he is at the end of the line. Maybe could have got two years. We'll never know, probably. But Evoldi, 29 He's gonna probably get more years than than I would be comfortable with with the Red Sox and if he gets if he gets a four or five year deal somewhere else more power to him and I'll be happy for him i just I don't want to be the team that takes that risk that being said one of the things that makes him very attractive right now is that he has no qualifying offer attached to him so whoever signs him isn't gonna have to forfeit a Uh, first-round draft pick, there is right now said to be as many as nine teams involved, you know, connected to him, basically. First one, obviously, the Red Sox, San Diego Padres, Milwaukee Brewers, Atlanta Braves, uh, the Los Angeles Angels, Chicago White Sox, Toronto Blue Jays, San Francisco Giants, and I'd hate to see this, but uh, the New York Yankees are interested in Evaldi. So there's been dialogue amongst all those teams. It's a very robust market. I don't know of any free agent on the market right now this hot stove season that is connected to as many teams as Nathan Evaldi is. So what's especially painful here is if the Red Sox do sign him, it's going to be... A very uncomfortable contract and I don't know it's impossible to predict what the actual dollar worth will be but it's gonna be at least a four-year deal and if if the bidding war starts maybe it ends up being a five-year deal and I just don't want to I just don't want to go there with him Um, yeah I just Hanley Ramirez, apples and oranges between pitchers and, and hitters. But we're just getting over that contract. And he wasn't even a terrible player. I mean, we got production out of him. And still, none of us could wait for that deal to end. And, and it finally has. And then Pablo Sandoval, his deal ends after this year. I just want to get out of those bad signings. And... I, I just know um, come June or July Evaldi's going to be laboring and if he's on the Red sox alex Cora is going to be yanking him out of the fifth inning and we're gonna go to our bullpen to uh you know with runners on base to try to save you know save the lead or whatever and that's why his 381 era is kind of deceiving because Cora was yanking him in, in the fourth fifth Inning, sixth innings you know with runners on and and whoever came in was getting him out of it so none of those uh you know inherited runners uh ended up scoring and i just i don't know but that's that's what his market looks like right now and that, that's how i feel about him all right i don't think he's gonna
2: get four or i don't think he's gonna get five years four years um If it happens, again, I think we both agree that we wouldn't blame him. I have no interest in the Red Sox going to that. I see it as two options. The first is outside the box, and the second I think is something I've actually already talked about. But just first, the Cleveland Indians, um, number two slash number three, Trevor Bauer. Uh, Many people that focus primarily just on the Red Sox. May remember him for slicing off a portion of his pinky during the playoff run a couple years ago. He's literally bleeding out there in the ALCS on the mound. Uh, that it's that guy. He's quirky. He's weird. He made a bet with a childhood friend, like his freshman year of college, that he would pay the guy like some ridiculous amount of money if he ever signed a multi-year deal. So he signs every year. He signs a one-year deal. He's an absolute lunatic. Uh, you're betting on yourself like crazy. when when it ends so will be your revenue stream so at least to the extent of being a professional baseball player he's been really really good on a good team and it seems like the Indians treat him very fairly when it comes time to that one-year deal Avaldi could could bet on himself here and say not only am I gonna stay healthy I'm gonna I'm gonna take an overpayment on a year to year basis and bet on myself as far as staying healthy for the next five years so, you know, what, what, for example, let's say there's a team out there that, like, let's say the double race. And Liz Churchville, I hope you're not listening because I'm about to shit on the double race a little bit. <laughs> they, they offer him, let's say, like three years at 12, 12 million AAV, right? It gives some length and term to his stability, but it's only $36 million. Now, could you imagine if... The Red Sox say, look, you can go play for the Devil Rays and their terrible ass clown program and their terrible baseball city and their terrible stadium. Well, we'll give you one year, $18, 20000000 million, something like that. It's half of the contract in one year. You come pitch for us, you load up, we try to go win a World Series. And then you can go back into free agency next year and cash in again. And either stay with the one-year deal and continue to bet on yourself, or at that point you've shown that you can stay healthy, especially with the extra innings you threw in the playoffs, and, and cash in next year where guys, uh, teams are going to have a higher level of confidence in your health. So that's a little bit outside the box. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you know he's Trevor Bauer is a lunatic. Okay, so uh, a good lunatic. I wish he was my lunatic, and I think he was. I wish he was a Red Sox, but he's not. But but that guy's just quirky and he's the only one that's willing to do that for some altruistic idea like a childhood bet. The other option we've talked about, it, I'm not going to hit on it real, real long, maybe 30 seconds here, a third year vesting option where the, you know, the, the vest is like innings pitched um, where you, you have some guarantee that if he meets the, the vesting option, that he is gonna be healthy for the third year. And, and and you could even have that third year vest be like a balloon payment, and like a mortgage payment, where where you pay like, you know, $2,000 a month, and then, you know, on the last year of the mortgage, you owe like $125,000, and it's like no one can do it. Well, the Red Sox can So they can go, let's say 16, 17 million for two years, and then have a vest, but have the vest be like 22.5, and be some like high-end balloon sort of payment. You're the Red Sox. You can do that, and if you do it correctly, you can build in some protections that he's going to be a productive third-year pitcher on the deal. Um, If you're talking about four years, look, I like Evaldi. I love what he. I like that he's a competitor. I love. I absolutely love watching him start because he throws strikes. And like that, as a you know, I you know, I know it's difficult to throw strikes, and and pitchers listening, you know, high school, middle school, whatever pitch, whatever level you pitch at, are probably going to be like, it's not easy, like, just lay off. But to have a guy that's just a known strike throwing commodity, just it, it just gets me going. Like I just love it. I love his starts. Uh, I love his competitiveness. I want him to be a Red Sox, but uh, there's a line in the sand, and for me, that's a fully guaranteed three year deal. Or a fully guaranteed three-year deal with a four-year vest. I think that's too much with the with the health injuries.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's definitely going to be a four-year deal wherever it ends up. The fifth year, you, you say you don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a long shot, but it just depends on how intense the bidding gets. I, I mean, and that sounds insane to me if it if it would get there, but. Um, it, it, the, <laughs> everybody's in on this guy and uh, I just hope that that prices us out of it but like you said I like him too I love his story he's come back from two Tommy Johns by all accounts seems to be a good clubhouse guy very selfless like you said very well actually he did put his career on the line in that 18 inning game and uh, he had 97 pitches. I can't remember. It was at least seven innings, I think. And um, that's the type of guy you love having in your clubhouse. But in the best interest, you know, of the team, I think we're we're fairly close on this one. And and you know, if the market is correct, that's uh, that's a hard no for me. Um, so do you? Uh, we'll get into Zach Britton now. Uh, do you want to? that lead off. Well, I, I just... You yelled at me last podcast, so I <laughs> okay. want to do this delicately. Okay.
2: What is your opinion, Terry, as far as how do you protect the needed depth in this rotation given the ex- extra innings and the extra stress on the arms because of the deep playoff run? What are your protections for the starting rotation if it's not Evaldi? There is no... I mean, maybe you're maybe you're relying on on right, and I don't. I, I'm asking you a question and then trying to answer it at the same time. So I acknowledge <laughs> them, what I'm doing here, but unless you're going to rely on right, there's no other organizational um, answer. Um, so I, you know, go ahead.
1: Well, I've been a huge proponent all along, you know, with Dallas Keuchel and. A lot of people, and, and there's a lot of Yankees fans that don't want anything to do with this guy, but Ben, They're was, wrong. what's that?
2: Yankees fans that don't want Kekel are wrong. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah, sorry, we talked about it with Chris, right? Uh, two weeks ago. I, I just I felt like that was just crazy. By the way, just as a precursor, if you're gonna give me Keichel and and that guaranteed health and that guaranteed track record, I would like to amend my commentary, but go ahead, continue.
1: Well, I mean, I just feel like, like I'm saying, it's going to be four years for Evaldi. I'm absolutely convinced that's what it's going to be, and if it's fifteen per year, that's sixty a year. It might drift up to twenty per year, so that's that's an eighty million dollar deal for Evaldi and. Keuchel is predicted to get four years $84 million, so th- it's roughly the same deal, and and Keuchel's, thir- you know, he'll be 31 on January 1st, so that's about right. A four-year deal for Keuchel is going to be, you know, is about on the money, I feel like, and he's not the guy with nine or ten teams connected to him right now, so for if they're both the same money, I'm taking Keiko every time. And the only downside to it is he's a lefty, and we got nothing but lefties outside of Porcello and maybe Wright, but I don't have a ton of confidence that Wright's going to stay healthy anyway, especially with that surgery he had, uh, in, which is the same Pedroya had. So... Um, you, Keuchel is a lefty, but I'm taking him. If it's the money's the same, I'm taking the proven guy. And a lot of people think Keuchel's coming in to be the number one. He's not. We have Chris Sale and David Price. D- Dallas Keuchel could be our number three starter. Like, what is so bad about that? Yeah, but All over social media, nobody wants him. But that's my answer, and if not, then... You know, pursue a trade. You know, I'd hate to say, like, Jake to Rizzi or something like that, but a middle-of-the-rotation guy could be had for not your top prospects.
2: Okay, so I agree with you here, (laughs) and I, you know how I feel about that, Terry. I do. Um, If you were to say, same deal, Keuchel, or Ivaldi, you wouldn't have to put the gun to my head. I know, I, I, w- I would go with Keiko. The reason why social media, and, and look, I love social media. Like it, I I try to limit my use, and my, my profession kind of prevents me from getting on social media for large portions of the day, so it's something that I like to get home and sit on, and just kind of just get, you know, it's, it's also one of the quickest ways to get up to date on pop culture and, and news and stuff like that if you follow the right people, but... It can also be an absolute cesspool, all right. So if you were to put Keiko up and Avaldi up, and you were to have them throw a bullpen with with you know the miles per hour readings on the bottom hand right, you know bottom right hand corner of the screen, and you were asked casual fans like who do you want? And Avaldi's going 101, 102, and Keiko's like 89, <laughs> like 88, 89, 91, 88, 89, 91 but he's hitting the spots and like baseball people know that Keiko is the proven commodity. So I don't really get all, um, hot and bothered over what social media is saying because Keiko is a smart pitcher, pitches to contact will pitch deep into games. And that's not a Valdi for a strike thrower. He's, he's limited and, and he's not a deep in the game sort of guy. Um, and again, we you know let's not undersell that he has this you know huge injury concern. keiko has been the exact opposite, um, and, and Keiko will always keep you in a game to me. He's just such a professional guy. Uh, he could give up the two run bomb, but he's just going to keep doing what he does. He knows how to get guys out, and he's always done it in big moments. You know, again, he's also a World Series champion because he won one with the Astros. So it's not like you're like. You know, you're, this guy's a proven guy. So, I agree with you. I hate it. Don't enjoy it. I don't think our listeners want me to necessarily agree with you. Um, you know, and that's, again, I'm shocked that, like, Chris and Yankees fans don't want Keiko. Like, what's the better option? It's it's crazy to me. I'm well, sorry. And Keiko's one of Cy Young, if if I'm recalling correctly. So, he's he had elite year, or an elite year. Um, you know, and I think, I guess, to some extent, he's been overshadowed by... Verlander and, and some of those Individual seasons that that Astros Starting rotation has had but I like Keuchel I'm okay with Keuchel
1: Yeah uh, that's the way I would go Patrick Corbin's Out there I I have a lot Of concerns about him we'll get into him on Another show but th- This is if you want to talk about the Cesspool I, I did a poll the other Day and, and I don't want to spend too Much time on this but this is exactly How I worded it which was Very meticulous I said uh, you know for the poll question if for the third year in a row Chris Sale can't stay healthy in the second half of the season would you rather who would you rather sign to a 6 year deal after 2019 to 150 million or more and there were two choices would you still sign Chris Sale if he can't stay healthy for the third year in a row or do you go Madison Bumgarner? Sixty eight percent Chris Sale, thirty two percent Madison Bumgarner. That's how that's that's how dumb Red Sox fans are when they get attached to certain guys. You know, they can't just be satisfied that we got Chris Sale basically at the tail end of his prime, got a World Series out of him and just couldn't move on after that. And I mean it just drives me nuts. I'm not willing
2: to call our the, our brethren out there our, our fan base dumb I, I chalk those things up to um, a lack of major league baseball wide awareness of talent um, my dad is maybe one of the biggest baseball fans I know um, he's absolutely obsessed with the game but his like his fantasy football team is all Patriots and if we if we were to do a fantasy baseball league, like it would be all Red Sox. His his Red Sox knowledge is, you know, is up there. Like he has thoughts every day about this and that and everything else and um, but he just for whatever reason he, he doesn't focus on the rest of baseball like you and I do, Terry. Um and, and I think the the people that could like name a starting pitcher on every, you know, one of the major league baseball teams, just one starting pitcher on every team. I there's not a lot of people that could do that. So, I like to think that our fan base is, is intelligent. They are good fans. They just are Boston centric in their thinking. Well, that's Cuz by the way. Cuz by the way, you got to be kidding me with that choice. <laughs> and I know you kinda juiced up the, the hypothetical a little bit by adding in another injury next year. Yeah. I don't think you need to do that. I think Madison Bumgarner is just for for very similar reasons between Keichel and Avaldi. Like one guy is a health risk, one guy is not, except for a freak ATV accident. You know. They're both they're both very, very good and they both would probably command the same amount of dollars. To me, it's a very similar decision that that, that we're talking about with Avaldi and, and Keichel.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good comparison. Um, all right, so we'll uh, we'll move on now uh, to Zach Britton, one of the more premier free agent relievers out there, and it's a fairly you know rich market this year for uh, relievers. Uh, David Robertson's out there. Kelvin Herrera, who doesn't seem to get into any coverage right now, is also a free agent, and um, I'm sure there are others. I'm drawing blanks, but uh, anyway, Zach Britton, 30 years old, uh, you know, spent most of his career with the Orioles. Traded to the Yankees last year, had some rough patches, but kind of ended the year on a good note. Still throws mid 90s, 70 percent ground ball rate. Um, I don't know how, how do you how do you see you know, potential dance partners and and what do you expect his market to possibly be?
2: It could be, it could be honestly anybody. It could be, it could be a a mid market team. That's looking for a closer. That's willing to put some, you know, put some faith in him. Um, He had an injury before the injury. He was just so ridiculously like dominant and he throws that fastball with a sink. And so he just got – he's he, – like that year with the Orioles where – I can't remember his save total and I, and I don't recall off the top of my head his, his ERA or whatever. But he was absolutely filthy that year. I mean he was the best reliever in baseball that year. Had the arm problems or the injury or whatever. Um, you know, took a little bit longer than normal to come back from it. And then he came back from it, and he was not really the right guy, the same guy, which, you know, who do you fault He's coming off a pretty significant injury. He's not going to be immediately that same, like, 100% dominant guy. Didn't seem to be a natural fit in, in New York for whatever reason. Um, maybe it was easier to pitch in Baltimore where people just generally care less. If I'm the Boston Red Sox, I would be concerned with his performance in, in New York. Unless you could just, ch- unless you want to just chalk it up to the fact that he, you know, he just wasn't completely healthy yet or hadn't gotten over the hump, but you know, he 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 just he wasn't a natural fit, and he never had problems throwing strikes that I could recall for the Orioles. And you know, he one of his like his second outing for the Yankees, like he came in and just walked the bases loaded, like that to me is not a guy, and he was healthy, so that's not to me like a physical thing that like you can throw 88 and throw strikes. He just wasn't throwing strikes. And to me, um, that has me concerned about big markets signing a guy like him. Um, but when he's right, he's right. And he is absolutely nasty. He's only 30 years old. So, um, you know, Terry, I'll defer to you before I talk about what I think his value is and where I think he would ultimately end up.
1: Yeah. You know, his start, with the Yankees was really bad right out of the gates and they were booing him and it was a big story that they were booing him off the mound Uh, but he did kind of settle in fairly well and ended uh, the Yankees part of the season the final two months with a a 2.88 ERA and um, notched some saves in there because Chapman uh, spent some time on the DL he's a tough lefty you know, gets a lot of, uh, you know, ground ball, fly fly ball type outs. You know, not necessarily a high strikeout guy, but um, he's a tough lefty. And if you go back to uh, 2016, 2017, actually it looks like uh, 2016, yeah, he had a uh, – his ERA for the season was 0.54, and – He led the league in saves, forty-seven, and was a Cy Young candidate, and was also an MVP candidate. He finished eleventh in the MVP, but that was a legit conversation. Like people were bringing his name up more than you would ever bring up a reliever for MVP. Now, I'm not saying he, you know, he should have won it or would have came close to winning it, but but it was a topic of conversation. And I just feel like people, I think he's got a really high ceiling. And I look at a team like the Red Sox, who didn't really have a lefty reliever at all last year. And if the numbers were right and the years were right, he's a guy I would be interested in. I really would be. And, you know, if he has a full spring training and, you know, starts the year, you know, unlike he, you know, couldn't do last year. I think he could put up really good numbers, and there's enough guys around him in the Red Sox bullpen, especially that, you know, you can, he could just blend in there and just kind of, you know, come along at his own pace. We still have Brazier, Barnes is in there. Um, I'm gonna boldly assume that if uh, if we do get Britain, we're probably not going to be in on Kelly, but. Um, he's not a guy i i would really be afraid of and i would take him over craig Kimbrell all day any day
2: all right i wouldn't because Kimbrel, despite his strike throwing deficiencies has proven that he's he can pitch in boston and, and and in a big market and my opening thought on britain was with his performance especially early in with new york i have some concern about that I, I to get to his market. I think he's a one-year prove it guy. He made twelve million dollars um, last year uh, between the Orioles and the Yankees. Um, if you're willing to pay him twelve million dollars, um, given his season last year, uh, you know that's crazy to me. If if he wants to do a prove it year, um, I think that's one a chance for him to pitch in Boston. Uh, I don't see them giving him a two or three year or four year deal at an, at an AAV of 12 to 15 million, which is probably what he's looking for to be a closer.
0: Um,
2: and I, and honestly, I think if he gets that sort of deal, it's going to be from probably, uh, a mid market club or the top of a mid market club. That's just, it's not warranted. Um, And that's why I think he will. This is the guy that I think will, you know, do a prove it year and, uh, and then try to go back to what he was or not. I mean, 2016 was so ridiculous, but something like 2016, like, you know, where he's like a sub, you know, two, five ERA and then, and then go to cash in next year. I,
1: I, yeah, I, I don't, I think it's going to be a multi-year deal. Um, Scott Boris is his agent. He's a Boris guy, so, I mean, I think that... I don't think Boris would settle for just one, but um, just because he is a Boris guy, that doesn't mean the annual value uh, necessarily will get too crazy, but um, just, I'm... The more I look at these, the less I really have a lot of faith in, but uh, MLB Trade Rumors predicts he'll go to the Astros three years, 33 million so 11 million annually. Sport track has him even less than that which kind of surprises me. they had they don't predict a team but they say he'll get uh, three years 25 million so 8 million and change per year. Um, I don't know I mean he did at the end of 2018 he did have a 310 ERA between both clubs. And he pitched in forty one games, so I just I don't know, I like it, I like it and kimbrel he could he did prove that he could pitch in Boston. You're absolutely right, but the league was figuring him out, and he had a real tough time coming up with solutions to kind of get a half a step ahead of, of the batters he was facing and really didn't figure it out until the World Series. You know, he, he had some really intense moments. I mean, we thought the ALDS was going to the fifth game and, you know, it ended with the bases loaded and Nunez managed to get the ball over to Pierce to record that last out and then Um, There was a dicey finish to the Astros game. Mookie had to throw an absolute bullet to second base to get their... uh, I forget, they they had a pinch runner on uh, first. Real speedy guy, I forget his name, but... um, You know, so he kind of caught a break there, you know, with his elite defense behind him. But, I don't know. You're going to take a chance. I mean, Herrera had... A foot injury. So does he come back, you know, strong from that? And he pitched in a small market. So can he pitch in a big market? Um, who else is out there? Robertson probably um, would be viable. I mean, if he pitched well in New York, and Chicago, Boston shouldn't be uh, an issue. But I'm just—he's been around a while. So who knows what his shelf life is? I I had in the last, thought
2: last podcast, because we talked about the baseball awards, but in the podcast prior to that, um, I predicted Andrew Miller to the Red Sox. Um, This would be a redundancy with Andrew Miller and Zach Britton. So, um, you know, just, you know, my last thought is I would prefer Andrew Miller.
1: Well, you know, I, guess, I wouldn't have a problem with that either because he's probably looking at more of a of a two-year deal uh, I think he's like 33 if I'm not mistaken but I I, tr- I for what it's worth I do trust Britain's durability a little bit more than Miller's at this point but I don't think there's really any such thing as a bad two-year contract you know I mean it's it, it might not go well but it's it's hard to look back and say, man, that, that really screwed us, but only two years. So I certainly wouldn't complain if, if we got Miller and, you know, and he's a lefty as well, which is like I said, at the start of this segment um, has been a need for us. I think we only have really Bobby pointer in the farm and jury's really still out on him. I like pointer and, you know, I always root for him, but he's not a, High VLO guy. Tops out about ninety ninety one. so I don't know. But like you said as well, he could go anywhere. It's, I mean, what market can't afford a three-year, let's just say $40 million deal? I mean, any market can pay that if, if they feel that there's a need to, to shore up that part of their team. So I'm I
2: know. Yeah, I mean you know and also when when you're talking about the players we're talking about, you're you're not, you know, sacrificing talent. It's you're 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 trying to slice, you know, this guy's got an injury history, this guy's not maybe built for big markets, you know, this guy for whatever reason is maybe worth a little bit less. But these are all, you know, a talent equivalents. So, you know, if they sign any of them, um, I'm not, you know, I can, I mean, if they don't sign Miller and sign Britain, I'll probably be equally as excited about the possibility of him being what he was in 16. Um, and you make a good point that, you know, I, I've harped on Britain's injury and Andrew Miller's had his problems with his knee and his feet and stuff. So I get it. Um, I, I, I see you always disagree with my, uh, because I I do think that there are certain athletes out there that are willing to do a prove it year to maximize their ability, you know, the the quote unquote like bet on yourself type of deal. I, Britain's not. I don't think Britain's going to cash in with what he's done. I just don't. Um, so again, you know, maybe to go out on a little bit of a limb um, because I guess if if you. Held a gun to my head, I would admit that he's probably going to get at least a two-year deal from somebody. But I think he may want to do a prove a year, and I also think he probably wants to get back to being a closer if he can. And then again, if you're earmarked as the closer, especially going, you know, from a contract, you know, your salary is just going to be higher as a result because of the valuation of closers in the in the in the last three years. So um,
1: actually, yeah, I- that's that. What uh, I do have more to add, but go ahead, finish yours. Go, go,
2: go, go Terry. Okay,
1: sorry. I um, I and I meant to mention this early on. Uh, the the I was reading an article uh, before the show, and the Yankees actually are interested. They have reached out to Scott Boris, and there could be some level of interest in in bringing him back. So they they don't seem to be too worried about the big market thing. Um, And Britton also said, and what made me think of it was, um, he said, he was quoted at some point in the, uh, you know, once the season ended, that he's not opposed to not being the closer, so he's fine with being a a 7th or 8th inning guy, and and uh, went on to say he likes how the Yankees are built. So there, there is some mutual interest between him and the Yankees. But um, you know, it's just a matter of the details on the, you know, the annual value and the years and whatnot. But um, so we'll see. I can't believe I spaced on that, but um, I, I think his market will be you know, he'll, there'll be multiple teams in on him uh, before all is said and done. And I spoke to Chris before um, we came on, because I I was trying to take his temperature on uh, the situation. I said, well, you got two free agents out of your bullpen. Which one would you rather keep, Britton or Robertson? Interestingly, he chose Robertson, because he feels like he's going to be the more inexpensive uh, option. But, We'll see how that goes, and also interestingly, uh, Robertson fired his agent and is now representing himself. So we'll see how uh, we'll see how that turns out for him. But yeah, any any final thoughts though? Um,
2: no, I'm interested to see. I mean, I think we're going to talk about Robinson maybe in the next podcast because. Apparently he has, and I read an article yesterday where his wife's from, like, Medford or somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there could be an interesting dynamic there uh, with that being a Boston guy, uh, but but came up in the Yankee system. So, But we'll save that for another day. Um, I think we should uh, transition to our last uh, unrestricted free agent, um, guy who started the year in Toronto but ended in Cleveland. Uh, the trade itself... Um, Drew, some, some complaints from the Boston Red Sox, among others. Uh, Josh Donaldson, who is a potentially transcendent um, player, former MVP. Uh, Terry, uh, go ahead and bat leadoff here.
1: All right. Um, I'm going to start off by saying I'm pretty surprised that most industry insiders, uh, most notably Ken Rosenthal, believe he will get a multi-year deal. Um, and I'm also surprised to see that there's a number of National League teams interested in him because there was a point last season where he literally could not throw the ball from his natural position of third base over to first, you know, and so that tells me that screams American League destination because if his shoulder craps out again, at least you could kind of hide him in the DH spot, but um, but it does seem like there's going to be a multi-year market on him. And you talk about the one-year prove it situation. Maybe maybe this would be the candidate for that if the market ends up not materializing. Maybe maybe a two or three year deal and and the annual value is just too low. So he might go out and, and do that deal. I, I think he's ideal for that, but, um, but I'm a little surprised. I mean, the, I'll just get into it. The Cardinals, the Braves, the Phillies and the White Sox are the most closely connected, uh, teams with him. And it's still early. Another team or two or three could jump in there and, uh, you know come away with him but I, I Would have I would have pegged Him for sure as as an American League guy
2: I totally Agree um, I honestly don't know Especially if you're talking about a multi-year Deal how you're a National League team that's Willing to do that um, He's he's got an electric Swing absolutely attacks. Uh, the strike zone Um, you know especially in Toronto he you know where I saw him just more often because he was in the AL East he just massive home runs you know very very cool very very electric guy Um, hasn't been on a winner and obviously Cleveland underperformed in the postseason so we didn't get to see a ton of them there but um, I, I I just don't understand why a national league team would want to sign this guy to more to more than a one year prove it deal. He's got some significant injuries. They kept pushing back the the return date, which to me just screams that they they weren't honest uh upfront with the severity of the injury. Um, or they were and he just for whatever reason couldn't get back because of, you know, he just you know, he couldn't get over the hump as far as some significant thing whether it was throwing pain free or whatever it may be but um, great offensive player uh, just, just screams American League the White Sox would be interesting just because they have the, you know my understanding is they have a ton of money they've traded away every proven commodity for, for prospects and I you know I you know maybe the White Sox are going to be the next Houston Astros. Maybe they want Donaldson to be the vet that they want in the clubhouse um, to help kind of bring the thing along here. Um, otherwise, I don't know why the White Sox would overextend uh, with a guy like Donaldson when, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. Plus, you got a pipeline, a pipeline of young talent. Um, so we'll see. And then the other thing is, you know, just generally speaking, and we haven't mentioned this, but last year a lot of shoes dropped actually during spring training. It was crazy with the amount of proven veteran talent that had to go into spring training without a contract. Things may work themselves out. You know, there may be an injury here, an injury there, and, and you may be willing at that point to overspend uh, for a guy like Donaldson. So a lot to be determined. Um, I just – I don't I don't know – I, we've talked about financial irresponsibility with these teams uh, that you know anything certainly above two years with this guy given his lingering health issues is just banana land to me
1: yeah I'm looking at his uh you know games played per year and he was 158 games played in 13 14 and 15 2016 155. And that was his, uh, was that his, yeah, he was, no, he was MVP in 2015. So he finished fourth in 2016 in the MVP voting. Really good uh, season, you know, to back his MVP season up. But then things get bad in 2017. He only plays 113 games. And then 2018, only 52 games played and let's uh, go over to his uh, averages here 246 which was the you know his lowest average as a professional he's though he's typically in the upper 200 so um, home runs he was let's see 2014 you know he hit 29 so just about 30 Forty-one, his uh, MVP year, 37, 33, and then last year only eight in the 52 games. Um, So this is a guy that a lot of red flags when it comes to durability. And, you know, he had the upper body thing with his shoulder last year, lower body thing with his calf, which is what kept him out. And you alluded to the fact that there was some shady... Things going on at uh, basically around the time of the August 31st waiver deadline. And the Red Sox were misled in that they were said that Donaldson would not be healthy. And there's provisions in there. I don't know the exact terminology, but he has to prove that he's healthy uh, before he can be traded. Any player has to prove that. They are healthy before traded at the August 31st deadline, and there just didn't look like there was enough time. The Indians, uh, not the Indians, the Blue Jays were saying as much, and then somehow the Indians, the Indians worked out a deal, and I don't know what the uh, legalities were that made it okay, but um, many teams were misled, and the Red Sox were certainly one of them. So, um, I'm just, I don't trust his health. If he gets a multi-year deal, more power to him, but whatever team that gives it to him is going to look potentially really stupid, (laughs) you know, as early as May or June, you know, of the first year if he's not on the the ball field. So, um, not a guy, as a Red Sox fan... Not really a guy I'm interested in. I mean, we kind of have a logjam at uh, first. Not not a bad one, obviously, Pearson Moreland. You can't really hide Donaldson at DH because I'm assuming that's where Martinez is probably going to play 110, 120 games, maybe even more than that, actually. I, he'll probably start a handful of games uh, in the outfield, but. Um, No place to put him, you know, on the team we cover. And I just can't see, you know, the Yankees won't be in on him. Definitely not the Astros. So just wait and see, I guess.
2: Yeah, with big money teams out and, you know, Andahar in New York, Devers in Boston, obviously Bregman who's an absolute stud. I'm not shy about how I feel about Bregman there's not there's just not gonna be a lot of market for him um spotrack has it at 18 million for three years 54.1 million i i don't see that that that's crazy to me and i know that spotrack attempts to take comparatives and it's a really analytical and oftentimes correct thing uh to do to establish value Uh, i just don't see it here i i think this guy is uh, you know not to get on the say the same kind of prediction i i have him on a mid-market team that think that he could potentially give them in the offensive boost to get him over the top for one year 15 million
1: yeah i mean why couldn't the rays do it i mean it, wouldn't that be such a tampa move to bring in donaldson on, on a one year it's, it's, and i yeah uh, i, think uh, can, I can i
2: can i tell you can
1: i answer that question for you <laughs> okay go ahead
2: uh, because the Rays will never spend eighteen million dollars on one player.
1: But th- that's assuming uh, that's his market, though, and I don't think it is. Well, it, it, again, if you're going to get
2: him for one year, because they're going to be teams that offer him two, three year deals, but they're going to try to do it. You know, they're going to do like a three year, thirty million dollar deal where they try to say, "Hey, we'll give you three years of guarantees, but we want to lower AAV." if you're going to do what we're talking about, you're going to have to overpay on the single year uh, to make it worth as wild. And that's why I think 15 to 18 million is an appropriate number to try to do it for one year. So, um, you know, last year, how much did he, I mean, what was his contract last year? Like 23 million. It's in the prime of his con- career, despite his health issues. I just don't see that he's going to want to take a significant pay cut. Um, but he's, cause he's not going to get like five, you know, he's not going to get a five-year deal for $23 million. He's just not.
1: No, I mean, remember, he, he's younger than Batista was. I think Batista was 35 going into that free agency season. It was the year he, you know, the ALCS and then that bat flip or whatever. And I think that was 2016 and he was asking he wanted a 5 year 150 million dollar deal and then the next year he got a 1 year 18 million dollar deal they basically matched the arbitration so i think it was actually 16 or 17 million he got on a 1 year and then every year after that you know has been extremely low you know it was i think 5 million and then this year um close to the league minimum, so um, Donaldson's not at that point, but he's only a year or so away from it, and if he doesn't have a relatively productive year, he's going to be entering the next season without a contract, you know, so we'll see, but that's, I guess, I guess I'm already resigned to the fact it's only going to be a one-year deal, Uh, you know, which may or may not be correct, but I just, I just don't see it. I, I wouldn't... If the Red Sox didn't have a first baseman right now, I still wouldn't touch Josh Donaldson with a 10-foot pole beyond one year. I totally agree. It's yeah. too
2: much money. There's way too much risk. Um, I just don't see it. Um, again, there may be one one team that's willing to go to two years, but they're going to do it as significantly discounted AAV. Um. But look, he is a dynamic offensive player, and he is capable of thirty and a hundred. And you know, teams play a, a premium for that. Um, I just think to the extent you're going to do it, if you're a major league baseball club, there's some su- significant unknowns about what you know what form of Josh Donaldson you're going to get, and and that's where I would be overly concerned. Not something we have to worry about. We have no need for this guy uh, as Boston Red Sox fans. So it's more of just a general uh, major league baseball wide issue
1: right and another thing that could happen and this is what this is what could make it possible for Tampa you know if you do cough up you know a few more dollars on a one year deal than you normally would and he comes out of the gate swinging, I mean, that's going to set you up good for October. Or if you don't want to go that route, you could trade him midseason and and get a bunch of prospects. I I think that's last year, that's what the Reds had in mind with Matt Harvey. You know, they got him, you know, mid-June, maybe early July, something like that. There was plenty of time to go before July 31st, and I think they were hoping to, get his value up there, and it looked like he was heading that way, but then towards the trade deadline he kind of tanked and uh, nothing ended up happening. But you, you can easily flip a player for for prospects on, uh, you know, he, by signing him and, and uh, you know, taking a chance. So I don't know, just one scenario to consider, but that, that does what makes him literally – possible for you know to, to end up on any team it's just so hard to to pinpoint it right now like we can with uh, some other free agents those are my uh, final thoughts on Donaldson yeah
2: um, I've said what I'm going to say on Donaldson yeah. again you know electric factory offensively okay. um, some serious injury concerns uh, hasn't been around to put you know to you know to have a statistical season and to put you know put the information on tape and and that sort of thing. But he's explosive enough offensively where he's going to warrant some. You know, his career's not over. I, I was a little surprised to see that he's already 32 years old, but you know, he's still you know, he, uh, two three year deals not out of the question. I just. I, I see him taking the maximum amount of dollars in a one year deal and trying to cash in next season to try to get away one more year uh, away from you know what happened to him this year
1: Yeah and you know I wish him well I, I like him and and you know if uh, if he if he does get a, a deal that surprises us then you know more power to him. Uh, I was just looking through the, uh, you know, the news. Nothing really uh, of note to go over. The Mariners might be dangling. Uh, Gene Segura, who had a very good season last year, I think at shortstop. So it looks like they're willing to sell off just about everybody and go into, uh, you know, at least a brief rebuild. You know, with Houston and, and uh, Oakland looking like they could have some good years, you know, not a bad time to do that. Well,
2: they traded Paxton, you know, it doesn't look like they're done potentially trying to sell their major league talent for prospects. It seems they're they're willing to go that way. Houston's just such a juggernaut. You know, if you're in that division, you got to think. Look, even if we improve significantly, we're still two, three years away before Houston clears out all that talent, and you know, all, all those guys go get big dollars from somewhere else and spread out the You know, spread out the riches. Um, but um, this, you know, I I feel like in the next couple podcasts, a big hat's going to drop uh you know and and people start spending money and making decisions once you know Harper and Machado are are, are uh, out of the way
1: yeah and i mean next week is the winter meeting so uh typically some big moves tend to happen that's when we acquired Chris Sale and um you know you could see at least on the trade front you could see some stuff happen I don't know if uh, i I highly doubt Machado or Harper will go next year, but you might see some of these relievers signed and uh, you know maybe a Donaldson type guy but um but we could definitely have uh, some interesting shows next week for sure. Um, just a, a couple other things I'm coming across right now. Uh, Indians possibly are going to trade. Yon Gomes, one of the better offensive catchers in MLB. Probably top three or four, I'm guessing. So that uh is interesting. Paul Goldschmidt is uh is a big uh trade chip out of Arizona. That's uh, you know looked at as an alternative to maybe signing a Machado type guy. Um, you know, one of the better National League hitters anyway, and the let's see. The Houston Astros and St. Louis Cardinals are the uh, most connected teams to him right now. And I think this is his walk year, so it's not going to be a a huge blockbuster trade. But uh, it certainly looks like he won't be putting on a Diamondbacks uniform uh, again, at, at least before he's a free agent. So just some things to keep an eye on in the coming days.
2: I look forward to it Terry uh, it's been a pleasure as usual and I look forward to the next one
1: yeah absolutely have a good night you too bud episode 102 in the books so uh, a little later than normal it's approaching midnight so if you uh, hung tough throughout the whole show we thank you very much some interesting uh, scenarios we kicked around. Um, uh, so, yeah. So we we'll, we might do a show on uh, maybe Friday night. We'll see. Or if a major development happens. I mean, who knows? We could do a show tomorrow night. Never know. But the rest of the week is a little bit up in the air where it is a holiday week. But I do expect a Sunday night show this weekend and then probably uh another midweek show uh you know on the winter uh yeah the winter meetings uh week so we'll uh we'll definitely be busy one way or the other so thank you very much and uh have a uh, good uh, have a good week and if you're in the northeast, uh, be safe because we're getting some treacherous weather and if you're traveling for Thanksgiving as I'm guessing a lot of you are stay safe uh, as well take care
0: family, wherever I roam, family home, that's where I long to be I'm a member of the Red Sox nation, it's a kind of Red ride for eternity I sleepwalk